Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia, and this is Ask the Experts. And thank you so much for joining me today. I will be speaking to Arjun Singh Buller. He is the heavyweight champion at one championship. He won the championship a few months ago, and we're going to recap his big win and he's been in the news recently and that's because he has called out a former ufc heavyweight champion that is stipe miocic stipe upset about not getting uh an immediate rematch an immediate fight he wants to be back in there and arjun came in and he said hey why don't we do a crossover fight i've already been training for you helping dc daniel cormier who is uh arjun's um former training partner so arjun has an intimate knowledge in terms of training for stipe of course dc fought stipe three times uh, successful the first time losing the last two so arjun feels ready for that challenge in addition after the fight arjun called out a couple other people he called out uh kang jiwan who is in the one championship stable he also said he wanted to move into wwe or aew so there's a lot of different possibilities for him as the heavyweight champion we're also going to talk about how his life has changed now. Uh, he represents Canada. He represents India. He's actually a an answer to an exam question. Arjun called this win life-changing. There's been a lot of fans and supporters around the world celebrating his big win. So we're going to chat with him now, find out what's next, find out what it was like to become heavyweight champion of the world. I am Karan Bhatia, and let's ask the experts. I am Karan Bhatia chatting with Arjun Buller, who is the one championship heavyweight champion of the world. Let's start there, Arjun. How does it feel to be heavyweight champion? Uh-huh. Feels amazing, man. Uh, amazing lifelong goal and dream. And anytime you can be the best at something in the world, um, it's obviously special. So it's good for the ego. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about your fight um, that happened earlier this year where you became heavyweight champion. But... I was reading about what happened before the fight, which is insane to me. You flew all the way to Singapore. You were ready to fight. Um, and a few days before, you tested positive for COVID. Now, you had had COVID a few months earlier, so you thought it was maybe a false positive, and you weren't even sure you were going to fight, right? Correct. I actually had COVID right, right when the training camp kicked off for the fight. Um, so I was in Canada for that, and uh, – yeah, it, it was it was a bit of a rough go, but got through it, got to camp, got there. Um, they had told me to bring um, some paperwork from the government of B, uh, British Columbia, which I did, to show that I already had this and, and that I'm not infectious. I may have antibodies in me, that type of thing, but I'm not infectious. So I took that with me just in case. So before we left, I was good. When we landed, I was good. And I believe on the third go-round, the third uh, round of tests is, because uh, we were put into a bubble right away, is when this popped up. And it was weird because I was with my coaches the entire time, and they were clear all the way through. Like, we ate together, we sat down, like, we trained together all the way through. Uh, so it didn't make sense. That's why I felt, you know what, it must be from one of the past ex- exams. I had no symptoms, and I was with these guys. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a very stressful situation. And on the other end, it was the Singapore government that was calling the shots that the, that the organization is under. So it's not like an organization rule. So we were at the mercy of all these government protocols and it was crazy. And it's, it's hard enough to train for a big fight, fly all the way to where you have to go, be ready. And you had to go to sleep the night before, not even knowing 
if you were going to compete, right? I mean, how, how could you possibly sleep that night? Yeah, it was crazy. It was definitely a roller coaster of emotions. Um, and at the same time, I've got family from back home saying good luck and friends and all that, trying to, you know, and uh, what do I say? What do I do? What do I think? Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster. First, we crashed. And then I was like, okay, you know what? We're just going to pretend it's going to work itself out because they're like, okay, we're still going to try to get you. So they retested my, my sample, which they never do. And even my second sample that they retested was, was uh, positive as well. So they're like, look, you know, we're trying. I'm like, you have to get another sample. You can't retest the same one because it's going to be a positive. And they're like, we never even get to retest, but we're going to ask them. We're going to try. So the night before at midnight, a nurse showed up to my hotel room to draw a, a second sample and, and all that. Um, and that was just the outside chance. Like, okay, hopefully this comes out and we're good. And then usually it takes, so that was at midnight, it usually takes 12 hours to get a result, even if they rush it. So they're like, we're going to, even if we have to wait till 10 o'clock or midnight the next day, we're going to, because you guys are here, you're our main event, we'll let everything else happen, we'll keep the production crew here and everybody, and, and if we have to, uh, until then, we will wait for the uh, result. So that's all it was, and they go, once we get the result, within two hours, you're going to fight. So be, you have everything ready in case, or it's going to be a negative and I'm getting ready for nothing. So uh, here I am. So the mindset was okay. I trust in God and I, and I believe this whole, you know, uh, my, my purpose of, of being in this position and, um, and I'm going to just lean on that. You know, I'm going to lean on this is supposed to be, and uh, it's just going to add another layer to my story on the back end. And, and that's sort of how it played out. I can't even imagine the emotions that you were going through, especially with the fact that you couldn't announce this publicly and you had to kind of keep it to yourself. Uh, it's amazing that you were able to perform at the high level that you did. So I wanted to talk to you about the fight. So let's start with the ring walk because you hadn't fought since 2019. This fight was supposed to happen in February of 2020. Of course, coronavirus hits and pushes everything back. What did it feel like to be walking out to the cage? It's something that you hadn't done in, in a while. What did it feel like for you? Just a relief, man. First off, it's a range of voice. It was obviously relief. But I knew, like, so that happened. And then, so when we fought, it was everyone had already fought. Everyone, the, all the, uh, no other coaches, no other uh, guy, fighters were in the building. The building was empty. They had to do what they did. There was only the production crew and the staff, and, the, and that was it. It was, all, it was lights were turned off. We showed up. They cranked everything back up again. Um, and I was just like, you know what? As long as I make that walk, I can control what happens in that cage. I'm ready for that. I'm prepared for that since, you know, the last year and a half I was waiting for it to happen. And to be honest, my whole life I've been waiting for that moment. And all I wanted was that opportunity to get to that cage. And if I, once that music hit and I walked, I knew I'd be just fine. Um, and that's sort of what it was. We got our warm up in and, uh, and then, you know, walking out and then the music hit and it wasn't even my music. They got the music wrong. <laughs> So that was the last part, and I just shook my head when the music hit. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I asked for a D music to hit, and it's hit. So that's it. I'm going to make this walk, and I know what to do once I get to that cage. Absolutely. And I, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, obviously, your your cultural background, and, and I love the fact that you lean into where you're from, your family is from. Um, and I know that you, you show that during your ring walk, right? You, you come yeah. out, um, and, and you have traditional – uh, you have a traditional outfit. You have um, something with you. So just just tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, I, I, I wear the turban. Uh, I, I have, uh, I'm a Sikh by faith, 
um, and I try to represent that. I did that when I did the Olympic movement and, and as, a, as a wrestler, as an amateur athlete before MMA. Um, even, you know, into MMA, uh, we, for my UFC fights, same thing. We had to break uh, reblock protocols for outfitting and all that, go through lawyers. And, uh, but it's, it, it's a very important uh, piece of who I am. I've always wanted to represent that at whatever platform I got because, you know, being a young kid, looking up to other athletes and other superheroes, there was no one else out there that looked like me that um, represented those values, um, that culture, that language. Um, so, you know, that, that was I, – I always had that goal. I'm going to get there and then I'm going to represent who I am. So then the other kids at home have someone to look up to and, and it makes it easier for them. Um, so I, I, I walk out with a turban. I walk out now with a mace as well, which you guys wouldn't allow, but that's sitting right here. Um, that is from my wrestling lineage. Uh, Hindu god uh, Hanuman um, carried the mace. Um, and so in, in wrestling culture, uh, traditionally, all the wrestlers um, are, are gifted this as a trophy because it represents strength and courage and uh, righteousness and, and, and the grand champion. Uh, so only the champion can uh it can earn one of those maces um uh, which is representative of hanuman um and so i got that as a gift as, as not a gift as a trophy and so i represent my wrestling lineage when i when i walk with that um via the god of wrestling and i, I think that's great that you you carry that with you as you walk to the ring certainly an inspiration uh for a lot of people uh who may not see themselves in in you know athletics at a top level or someone that looks like them and they can see you now and and draw inspiration from that so let's talk about the fight um I, you looked very comfortable in there uh early on it, it it looked like you were in control most of the way if not all of the way Round one, a lot of micro movements and and it seemed like you were kind of getting your positioning um a lot of fainting and then you were able to take him to the ground, uh, lay on him. Um, was that part of the strategy? Did you did you want to take him, you know, into deeper waters? What what was the strategy, and how did it play out early in round one? Yeah, so you know, he's a very seasoned guy. He's a sniper. Um, he loves to counterattack um, and, and be on his back foot. So those feints and that measuring was to get him to draw first um, because he he likes to counter. So I wanted to to not. Uh, to for him not to know when I was coming on my attack, and and faint a lot to mix that up, and also then draw him out first, so so he can't counter, uh, so I catch him off, um, and that's really that that really threw off his timing and his rhythm and, and got him fatigued, um, so you know that was a part of the plan, and and in terms of wrestling, that's always that's always the threat and that's always there, and so we mixed that in. Um, in the uh, first round, he caught a Kimura uh, in terms of the submission. So I just, you know what, I was like, if we have to stalemate, that's fine. I'm not going to risk uh, a submission here. And just hold position. So that's sort of what happened there to end the first, uh, those uh, last couple of minutes. I feel um, if he didn't lock on that submission, it, he was already, you know, fading this way. And, and I could have pounded on him and got the, got the win then. Uh, but he got himself to the second round because of that. Um, and it was rinse and repeat in the second, you know. Pulled the distance with the stand-up. I was very comfortable seeing everything. Um, and throughout, you know, my rhythm, my timing, he was marching to my beat. And then put him on the ground and pounded him out. So it went around according to plan. 
Absolutely. And this was, of course, against Brandon Vera in round two, the big right hand with about four minutes left. You stunned him. I'm sure you knew that he was hurt at that point. Uh, as the fight continued, you landed another big right hand to the body. This was with about two minutes left. You took him down. One thing I did notice is when you were on top with ground and pound, he did try to get up and you were able to make the adjustments using your body weight to keep him down. Right. How important was that? Yeah. So and in terms of hurting and we, we felt we were going to hurt him. It was about to still be patient. Don't jump on it right away because he's a counterfighter and get caught, like trying to go for a flurry of a finish, that type of thing. So we stayed measured even though he was hurt, stayed patient. Um, and then, yeah, um, he was very slippery, man. Um, and so when I got him down, it, like, it was an oil slick. Like I couldn't get a handle on anything. So I really had to make sure my body position was correct. Um, and, you know, nothing of that nature happened where I slipped off or, you know, got caught in something. So um, just really, you know, stayed, stayed on top, stayed composed, stayed tight, didn't allow too much room uh, for him to wiggle through. And position, position was key. Maintain my position and try to maximize damage from there. And you maintain your position, ground and pound. You're throwing unanswered punches and the referee comes in and pulls you off and you are heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, just take me through that moment and, and from your perspective. I mean, what were you thinking in that moment? Well, look, he, he, uh, the ref started warning him, you have to move, you have to defend yourself. And then he stopped doing that. I'm like, oh, my God, this is about to happen. <laughs> that crossed my mind. I was like, wait a second, don't get ahead of yourself. You know, just until the bell, until the bell, keep going. Um, and then a few seconds later, the ref jumped in. And uh, it was different. It was a different feeling. But it was more like, okay, we did it. And the confetti came down, you know, and everything. My coaches weren't inside yet. And then when they put the belt on me, then it was real. Then it was a different win. Uh, until then, it was like, okay, we did it. But it kind of felt like every other win almost. Um, but then when they put the belt on, it was like, okay, this was significant. This, is this has never been put on me after a win. And this means I'm a world champion. So hugged my coaches. Um, you know, just kind of – I was I felt very blessed, very grateful for that, to experience that moment. Um, the start of all the years, you know. Um, and just kind of thanked him, you know, he's been a great champion for the company, uh, for the Philippines, uh, for his family, all of those things. And now it was my time. Um, and then I grabbed that mic and cut a promo for pro wrestling. <laughs> and I want to talk about what's next, but you called that moment life-changing. Of course it is. And I know you've had a little bit of time to, to digest it now. Uh, you obviously proudly represent Canada, India, and, and your supporters around the world. I know a lot of people have reached out. The prime minister of Canada reached out to you. I mean, what, what has the reception been like? What, it, what have the last few months been like as heavyweight champion? Uh, it's been great. You know, it's been, you know, like you said, it's been a crazy, um, you know, I don't want to say roller coaster. I want to say a rocket ship, actually. Um, and so just riding that and, um, you know, a lot of different opportunities are knocking on our door. So just kind of working through that. And that's actually been stressful, to be quite honest with you. Usually after fights, I'm able to kick back and just relax now, spend time with family and all that type of stuff. Um, but it's been stressful to kind of work through the different opportunities and, um, that type of thing. So, but it's a good, it's a good stress. I'm not complaining. Um, and I, and again, very blessed and very grateful. That's definitely a good problem to have, to have a lot of options. Let me ask you this before I ask you what's next. I saw that there was an exam question in Punjab and it said, who became the first Indian origin fighter to win a world title in top level MMA? And you of course were the answer. What does it feel like to be the answer to an exam question? 
It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Like I said, when I was a kid, that stuff, that was my goal, though, is to have representation at, at a world stage for, for our community. And, um, you know, to see that, that means it's, got, it's gone into the psyche back uh, in the homeland, right? Um, and it's amazing. I, when that was sent to me, I was like, what? It, it just made it so real. Uh, and it was actually an India-wide uh, exam. So it's nationwide. But the kid that was writing it was from Punjab, and, and I was just blown away, man. Amazing. Amazing. So let's talk about what's next for you after the fight. You called out uh, the Korean heavyweight, uh, Kang Ji-won. Um, I know you also talked about uh, going into WWE, AEW, pro, you know, professional wrestling. Obviously, you have that wrestling background. And then there's also talks of a UFC crossover. Uh, and Ganu's name was mentioned. Stipe's name was mentioned, of course. So what is next for you? What, what would you like to do next? Yeah, for the fight game, that's definitely a name that sticks out for me is Kang Ji-won. And, and, and we're going to get there soon enough but the priority was pro wrestling um and we've had high level talks um to kind of figure out what that's going to look like in terms of my fight schedule and in terms of you know pro wrestling i that is my next step in terms of an evolution as a as an athlete i can't wait to uh, jump in that squared circle and, and live out that childhood uh, kind of dream um you know as, as a fan and as a performer um so we're exploring that. And then this whole crossover thing is really taking some some steam here. Um, you know, yes, Francis was mentioned, UFC one crossover East versus West. Um, we're managed by the same agent. Um, so I sort of know what his contractual obligations are and how real that that is. And, and that's a little further off from reality than Stipe. And, and Stipe's hap, uh, name came in. And uh, I know the company's reaching out to him. Uh, to try to see if we can work that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's a fight I want. That is, a, 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 that is at the top of my list. Um, so legacy is huge for me, and, and that fight would cement my legacy. And as a competitor, I, I want it uh, very, very bad. He, he had a trilogy with my big brother, Daniel Cormier, uh, my training partner team captain at AKA. I was involved with all three of those fight camps. Um, I know where I, where I stack up. I know... Um, you know, how we can beat him, you know, um, and, and, and he beat up a 41 year old big brother of mine. So I, I want to get that back uh, and, and for the team and for myself. Absolutely. Francis being the, the UFC heavyweight champion, you being the one championship heavyweight champion, but Francis going to have to face the, you know, next people in line under the UFC umbrella, most likely. So that opens up the door maybe for this yes. crossover clash. With Stipe, Stipe was talking about this on social media. You came in, you said, another UFC fighter who's not happy with the way he's treated. I'd love to get my hands on you, Stipe. I went through three training camps for you already and know exactly how I'd bust you up. So how do you think stylistically that fight would play out between you and Stipe? Hey, look, my, my wrestling is better than his, and my, I believe my boxing is better than his as well. Um, I don't get hit. I'm, I'm very uh, sharp with my feints and my range and my slips and my counters. And he gets hit every fight. He gets hit clean. Um, and getting hit clean by guys that are much slower than me and don't have the skill set I have. Um, yes, they have power and that type of thing, but they're slow. And if you're getting hit by slow guys, you're going to hit all night by me. And that's before I mix in the takedowns. Um, you know, that's the formula to beat him. I, I beat him everywhere. And we know exactly which kind of combos would work on him, which kind of takedowns. Um, you know, again, he, he's not going to – He's, it's not going to be a war of attrition and he's going to outlast me. I'm not 41 years old. Um, when my guy was younger, he touched him up all the way. Um, and, and I have that on my side. 
And, and that's just, that's just what it is. You have a lot of options and, and I'm sure any of those would be very exciting. And hopefully that, that clash with Stipe comes together. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about, we mentioned you're from Canada, but obviously you have the huge Indian fan base, um, you know, with your, with your heritage and your family background. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about th that immigrant mentality, you know, that hardworking mentality. And I'm sure that, that you've had that uh, growing up. I know you said uh, growing up, your family couldn't even go outside, you know, due to racism and things like that. Um, you know, what has that immigrant mentality been like for you and how has that uh, affected your work ethic and made you work harder? Yeah, you know, that, those were realities. Those were lived experiences. You know, it's not that they couldn't go outside. It's that, um, you know, the times were that challenging. They went outside, they went, you know, they did what they did, but everyone in the community was encouraged to travel in groups, um, family members, um, same thing, packs, because of individuals um, within that time, time that era had racist uh, belief systems. So I don't want to say every single person was that way because, um, you know, there were great people then as well. But for sure, there was, there was fear, there was physical altercations, there was emotional trauma, all that type of stuff. And what did you do? You joined wrestling as my dad did. You got tough and, and you fought back. Um, so that, that was, uh, those were lessons definitely that, that, that were, you know, these aren't people that were generations removed, maybe like down south. These are, this is my parents that dealt with this. Um, I could touch them. I can learn those, you know, uh, stories of, the, of, the, uh, of sacrifice, of, of, of getting through that for a better life for myself, for my siblings, for our generation. Um, so that gives, that inspires me. That inspires me to be great. And that inspires me to represent who I am. Because uh, we weren't able to then, and it was frowned upon then. Um, but ain't, no one's going to stop me from that. Uh, and if so, let's fight about it, you know. Um, so, so that's important to me. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's, you know, telling that story and, and being that person. And you've certainly, uh, reached the absolute highest level, uh, of your profession. So what would be your, your final message to your fans, your supporters in India, in Canada, around the world? Um, as we said, you, you've given, uh, you've given young fans around the world, a role model, uh, someone that they can look up to and, 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 and see at, at the highest level. So what, what would be your final message to your fans and supporters? Yeah, you know what? Just, you know, I appreciate all the support. First of all, all the love. Um, and keep supporting. We've got big things coming down the pipe here. Um, you know, I read every message and every, uh, every, you know, every fan that reaches out, I appreciate you. Um, beyond that, like I said, big things coming. And, and just keep, you guys keep pushing. If there's anyone that's young out there, look, I, I was able to get to the Olympics. I was able to be a world champion in MMA. If I can do it, you can do it. And um, not only that, anything you want to do, just figure it out. What is it? What is it that you want in your life? And work hard and and, and chase it every single day, one step closer. Well said, Arjun. Thank you so much for the time, and congratulations again on becoming heavyweight champion. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me, and thank you to my guests. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at A-T-E underscore podcast. That's on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow my personal channels, it's at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karan Bhatia at, on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karan Bhatia. 
uh, please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. I am Karan Bhatia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia. 